the last movie you watched? Or the last TV series you binged on Netflix? Think about that and then think about the people who are responsible. Not the people who are directly responsible, like the directors, the producers, the actors, the writers, but the people who way back in time worked to create this medium that permeates our lives. You may be surprised at the answer, the true answer to that question. And you may be surprised at the many theories as to what happened to one of those people. Y'all listening to Old Timey Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your hosts, Christy and Scott. So, this is Old Timey Crimey. We're back again. It's Christy. Hey! <laughs> you know me. Yeah. yeah. He needs no introduction. No, I really do. I'm Scott. How's, how's <laughs> it going? I'm not that famous. I get people like, is that Brad Pitt? No. <laughs> no. And that's the only time anybody's ever going to mistake me for Brad Pitt. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm a thumb of a man. how's your week been bud it's been pretty good i have my niece here visiting me she's witnessing the podcast very first time that we've actually had somebody watch us record so this is a landmark moment say hi hi there we go (laughs) that is my niece i've been learning some some youth culture oh no no you're so old i know called it youth culture i did <laughs> um yes yes it, it i'm 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 starting to feel my age when i learn about things like uh saving your streaks which i had heard but i didn't realize what it actually meant i'm so old what is saving your streaks it's in snapchat and i thought it was just like you know when you you make sure that if you have a streak you've you've snapped each other you know so many days in a row and some of these these kids they have like 400 500 day streaks even more than that thousands <laughs> i just got the little like writing in the air from my knees and yeah so it's they'll actually if, if they're going to be unavailable or out of you know somebody's at summer camp or you know like in the woods somewhere just you know being kept busy and they're not gonna be able to keep their streaks with all their friends and, and significant others they'll have somebody give somebody their login information and that person will log in and snapchat all of these people so that the streak is stays alive yeah holy cow i actually read an article where they asked a hundred people who went to prison in the 80s and got out just in the last couple of years oh yeah that's got to be something what the biggest culture shock was and one guy said the fact that everybody is looking at these plastic rectangles (laughs) while they're walking and no one is bumping into each other it (laughs) blows their mind well I was practicing for that when I was a young child because I used to have to walk from my school to my mom's nail salon Mm -hmm. some afternoons and I would read the entire way just to have my nose in a book while walking. One of my mom's clients came in one day and she was like, I am so worried. Every time I come over here, I see this little girl walking and she's got her nose in a book and I'm so scared she's going to walk into traffic. My mom was like, "Mm, you know, blonde hair about yay, you know, long, about yay high. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh, that's my daughter. Don't worry. She's fine. <laughs> she's, she's, she's got it down. <laughs> she won't get hit by any cars. Now, if you saw somebody walking with a book, you weirdo, <laughs> yeah. and then just face down to the phone. 
Texting. So how about you? How's your week? My week's been pretty good. My week's been pretty good. The great flea war rages on. Oh, so fun. In my house. And I just, I've decided that I just live in a barrel of poison now. <laughs> but they are getting to, they are getting to a wonderful point where it's like, instead of like 20 fleas on my legs, whenever I go through certain parts of the house, now it's like two or three. And I've been taking great delight in burning them alive with a cigarette lighter. And I have very little hair left on my legs. <laughs> reaching down there and I... And it's, oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, that's right, PETA. I'm burning animals alive in my house. Come stop me. <laughs> well, you know, maybe when you're finished... You should take like an old timey movie of people celebrating this, like, oh, yeah. you know, dancing in circles and like just I'm jubilation. Thinking maybe 16 frames at the most. Yeah, yeah, just about, you know, two seconds or so. <laughs> Little flea playing the accordion. <laughs> and so that brings us right into our topic for the week, which is Louis Le Prince. I love the name. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it is probably the sexiest name we've had on this show. It, it, it's about Louis Le Prince. Louis Le Prince. <laughs> Hello, my name is Louis Le Prince, the French film photographer. I want you to draw me. <laughs> like one of my, just, I, they're just regular girls here. They're not even French girls. It's just, it's a woman. <laughs> La femme. <laughs> You're naked. <laughs> He didn't actually do that. Um, that was a long way off in the I history of cinematography. I guarantee. You think there's away. a lost Louis Le Prince film with him, uh, with, with his wife maybe, with Lizzie? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Anytime that there is a new technology, the second thing it's used for is pornography. That's true. That's yeah. true. And it's, it's fantastic. You can actually look in the old caves. You know, and it's like, oh, I drew a buffalo. I drew a deer. L let me show you what I drew. You know, so yeah, I guarantee that Mr. and Mrs. Le Prince, yeah, there's some, there, <laughs> there's, there's about 16 frames of Mrs. Le Prince out there. Oh, boy. I guarantee, because I would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> you totally would have. <laughs> So he was born Louis Aimé Augustin La Prince uh, in Metz, France, on the twenty-eighth of August, eighteen forty-one. We're going back into the eighteen hundreds with this one. Indeed, indeed. His father was a major artillery in the French army, uh, officer of the Legion d'Honneur. Yeah, which was um, uh, started by uh, Napoleon Bonaparte. Yes, his uh, his father's name was Louis Abraham Ambrose Le Prince. <laughs> I love saying these names. <laughs> You're really getting into it. I, I am. Love it. <laughs> I am. And his mother was Elizabeth Marie Antoinette Boulibert. Oh my gosh, she had a Marie Antoinette I didn't know. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I found Louis Le Prince's family tree. Oh, that's incredible. On the internet. And like I didn't couldn't find his uh, maternal grandparents, but I did find his fraternal grandparents. Normally I wouldn't mention this. But there were two interesting things. Uh, he was named, at least in part, after his grandfather. His grandfather's name was Pierre-Louis Le Prince. Okay. And his, his grandmother was Marie-Sophie Kroll. C-R-U-E-L. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> you got Kroll and Prince. Well, my last <laughs> name. Kroll Prince, yeah. Yeah, my last name is French. Uh, I don't have any problems giving my last name out. My last name is Mort. It is French. 
for death. My family were executioners. <laughs> so the same way bakers baked, you know, and or, coopers made barrels, smiths were blacksmiths. Do you know who else baked? Who's that? Baxters. Baxters? Yeah. German? English. English, yeah. okay. Possibly Welsh, looking into my, my DNA. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. going Pe- way, way back. People were named after what they did, and mm-hmm. we made things not be alive anymore. <laughs> yeah. But not alive anymore is a long last name, so they just went with death. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Monsieur Death. Bonjour. Oui. <laughs> I'm going to go that way. You go that way. I'll be seeing your father later. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so... Um, Louis's father had a good friend that uh, Louis ended up spending a lot of time with, which is interesting because this was uh, another Louis. Although you, it, how you see him referred to really depends on the source. I saw like three different versions of his first name, and I have a full name: Louis Jacques Mande de Guerre. Yes, and you're going to hear that. That's the last name. It's the last it's name the that's last important. Name. Yeah. De Guerre, because some of the fir- the first photographs were called daguerreotypes. Yes. And that is not a coincidence. Daguerreotypes were a series of chemicals put onto a photosensitive plate, mm-hmm. exposed to light, and then sandwiched with another piece of glass on top of it. These were your first photographs. Yeah. It's, it's really incredible that the amount of artistry and chemistry that was, that was necessary for this to happen. Mm-hmm. The, this was really kind of... Kind of this weird renaissance going on at the time. Oh, absolutely. It's amazing the things that were, were being invented and, the, and the, the sheer just ingenuity that was being birthed left and right. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about right now, we're talking about the age of Nikola Tesla. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps one of the most frightening minds to ever walk the planet, you know, Nikola Tesla. We have Edison in here. We have, of course, Louis Le Prince, who is starting... To, to get a little bit uh, of recognition for what he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Marconi. You know, there is there is a lot going on here. Uh, Henry Ford is in this era yeah. as well. It's amazing, just the inventions. It must have been a very exciting time, you know, it just was. like new things popping up left and right. And Jiffy Pop? <laughs> is the dog-powered butter churners are <laughs> happening at this time? See last episode. Yeah. In a little while, Dr. Scholl would come along and ease your feet. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, very exciting time. And honestly, this researching this kind of solved a, a little mystery for me that I'd never bothered to solve for myself because I would read a lot, again, my reading, um, a lot of, of older literature when I was younger. And so I would see daguerreotypes coming up in descriptions of, you know, descriptions. She, she had a daguerreotype of her husband on the mm-hmm. wall. And I f- could figure out from context there was a picture, but I never knew exactly how to picture it in my head. And now that's, that blank has been filled in. If you go over to uh, Old Bedford Village mm-hmm. near us, they actually have a daguerreotype over in Old Bedford Village. Oh, awesome. And it's of, <clears throat> it's of Bedford as a town. And it's, it's extremely interesting because whenever you first look at it, it almost puts you in the mind of, of a sketch. Mm-hmm. But no, it's, it's like one of the first photographs ever taken. And it's, it's incredible to see this little piece of history. We are very fortunate in that respect that we do live in this very historically rich part of the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of history here. It's, it's fun to see. So, so yeah, um, he spent a lot of time with, with Daguerre, 
He got lessons from him in photography and chemistry, which at the time, those two were very intertwined. You really needed to essentially be a chemist in order to be a photographer. Yeah, and he really went for it because his later education was studying of painting and with postgraduate in chemistry. Yeah, yeah, he went to Paris and, and Leipzig University the, to study those two things. And uh, then he went on to have a, a career. He started in Leeds, West Yorkshire, uh, in the UK, in 1866. So he would have been about 25 years old. And his friend John Whitley from college had invited him to come to Leeds and join him in Whitley Partner Partners of Hunslet, which they made um, valves and components from brass, which is, I mean, I guess somebody's gotta. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he was, he did some like design work, I think, for them, some draft, drafting and such. Which, you know, he would be good for having the, the artistic skill that he had. So yeah. now, now, one of the rumors floating around was that he was gay. Yes. I don't think he was gay. No, and, and I don't believe so either. Who gives a crap? Yeah, who gives? they gave a crap back then. Yeah. Some people give a crap now. We're not of that group. But, but he did uh, marry his best friend's sister, which I think is so sweet. It is. It's adorable. It is. He yeah. marries Elizabeth Whitley. John's sister. I've found, like, you know, a couple sketches of what uh, Mrs. Whitley looked like. A few photographs here and there. And even, like, some, some descriptions of John. They don't look anything alike. <laughs> so my argument was, I don't think he was thinking about John whenever he was with uh, Elizabeth. Yeah, so. yeah. And she was a, they had a lot in common. She was a talented artist in her own right. Absolutely. Uh, and both of them together started the Leeds Technical School of Art in 1871. This was a power couple. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they would, they would mingle in the, the higher echelons of the, the literary and art world in, in Leeds. I don't know how <laughs> much there was in Leeds. No offense to Leeds. I mean, you've, you've got this, this incredible you know, couple, couple here doing this. So, but I'm I just saying, you know. Probably just about as much as there is in Johnstown. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. maybe more like... I don't want to say Pittsburgh. <laughs> no, Pittsburgh's actually kind of heavy with the arts. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like that was a little too much. Yeah. But yeah, so they um, they started, yeah, the Leeds Technical School of Art, what they became famous for was they would take color photography and affix it to metal and, and, and other materials, which eventually they became so good at it and so famous for it that they did portraits of Queen Victoria and Prime Minister William Gladstone. And the portrait of Queen Victoria actually ended up in a time capsule. At the, uh, it's, it was made by Whitley, Whitley Partners, which he was part of. And it was put in Cleopatra's Needle, the foundation there, uh, at, on the River Thames. That is incredible it is incredible and i had to i had to look this up because i was like well, when are they going to open it <laughs> <laughs> they buried it in 1878 uh also included our children's toys a baby's bottle a box of hairpins a translations of the hieroglyphics from Cleo cleopatra's needle um <laughs> samples used in uh, samples of the cable used to erect the needle um a history of the monument's journey to london which actually was pretty perilous uh the the boat that they initially used to, to transport it, because this is a big, big mm -hmm. object from, from Egypt, the boat that they initially used to transport it uh, was overturned and all the sailors died. 
Oh my god. Yeah, and they didn't like they they found the 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 needle floating a couple days later. Yeah, so uh so they actually have a history of that. Uh a razor, copies of the Bible, a Bradshaw railway guide, 12 portraits of pretty ladies that were hand picked by the man who helped uh, actually bring the needle to to London. Uh-huh. Captain Henry there, Carter. Yes. I bet, I bet there there's that pornography I was talking <laughs> yeah. about earlier. Pretty ladies. Pretty Air ladies. Quotes. Don't think they're as dirty as you're implying, but I hope. So that's a pretty, and, and it, I couldn't find any information on when they were going to actually open this time capsule. So I think it's just when, you know, the the country has been torn down and then brought back up again, and then torn. I'm thinking of that part in the first episode of Futurama. <laughs> Where they show like all the, the, the things that have happened since Fry went to sleep, and it's like city goes down, new city comes up, city goes down. You see like war happening and everything, and different like versions of society. Yeah, so that's basically what I was thinking. Like that'll happen like three or four times, and then they'll find the time capsule. I'm, I'm It'll be like of, old, old, old New York. And <laughs> I was thinking like a hundred years, hundred fifty years. You're you're talking like post-apocalyptic. It was eighteen seventy-eight when they first buried it. Yeah. It's but, been a good long time. I mean, in American time, not in British time. <laughs> in British time, that's a blink. <laughs> see, I'm hoping like it was opened and I can find the pictures of the pretty ladies online. <laughs> You're like talking like a bunch of talking monkeys are going to find it and they're <laughs> going to hide it because it showed that humans used to be the dominant species of the planet. I do fully believe that that's what's going to happen, yes. Absolutely. Yes, I'm invested in this theory. Absolutely. So, so yes, uh, Louis and Elizabeth, uh, Lizzie, uh, they had six children. So very prolific. Mm-hmm. Again, probably not gay. Not that gay men can't, you know, like marry a woman and have children, but the desire has to be there. You know, yeah. <laughs> like you got to yeah. have a foundation. Why do you keep calling me John? <laughs> so, and then in 1881, he came to the United States. Uh, Whit- Whitley partner sent him over here to do some business, and he, he liked it so much he stayed. He, he you know brought his family over and stayed on with them. Uh, and in 1889, actually took French American dual citizenship. Hmm. So this is a, a, a this is you know an American we're talking about here as well. Yeah, yeah. He uh, and he kind of bounces back and forth. Yes, yes, from he does. There. He he in 1887 he returns to Leeds with his family. But during this time, he begins to experiment. He becomes, I'm not going to say interested. I'm going to say obsessed. Yeah, absolutely obsessed. With the idea of moving pictures. Mm -hmm. Movies. Movies, yes. Right. And he has some pretty impressive success. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. very, very successful. Um, He realized, and it seemed like, you know, this was not really common knowledge. People thought that the human eye would catch images in real time. Just just like we actually, we see and we think that we're capturing it in real time. But he was of the realization that you needed more than just like one frame per second, or you needed more than a million frames per second. You needed about 16 to match the human eye, which right. I think eventually it would be upped. Yeah. <laughs> but, but 16 seemed like a pretty lofty goal at the time. So he made a camera with 16 lenses, and that was his first... Uh, that was his first patent. Yeah. And whenever whenever I heard of this, I kind of thought that this, this was the same guy that took the very famous image of the horse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The horse that was, the, they, they were trying to settle a bet as to whether a horse had all four legs. Off the ground exactly, at one time. Yeah. And the way they did that was they set up 16 cameras 
and then each one was triggered by thread. And as the horse would run, it would catch each one of those pieces of thread, break it, and then the camera would go off. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of thinking, that was this. That was not this. This was not that at all. This, that, and the other thing. I'm using, <laughs> I'm using those words, this, that, those, a lot. But he creates around three movies. Mm -hmm. And it's not with the 16 lens. No, no, that no. Was too that, jumpy. Thing, yeah. that thing was shaky. That... Because you had everything. You had, you had 16 different cameras. They, they can't all be in the same place at the same time. So they're capturing it from very slightly different vantage points. So it ended up being too jumpy to use. I really wanted to find an image of that, you know, that jumpy 16 lens camera. I couldn't find it. But I'm imagining it's like those GIFs that yeah. are kind of shaky. It's just one image, but it kind of bounces around a lot. Uh, I would love to see. And it. some of those cameras still exist. I saw, like, physical photographs. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, modern photographs of those cameras. I would love to see somebody put some film through that and actually wow. try, to, try to, to make that work, because I am curious how poor it was. And we'll post those pictures on, on the Facebook page and the Twitter Come join us. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, we did get we did get one new follower. I'm not going to use your full name. G, you know who you are. Hi, G. Hey. <laughs> Welcome. We say horrible things. <laughs> so so yeah, he started having some success, and he made those those three movies. Um, before that, it seems like. Uh, it's, it's not necessarily well documented, but in 1886, his daughter Marie, she actually remembers a demonstration he did in their house in New York of this, the, something from the, the 16 lens camera, which if that's the case, she saw the first ever moving picture. Yeah. The first ever movie. I think from what I understood, it was a ballerina. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was yeah. a ballerina. Mm-hmm. Um, now I would you, love to see that. Me too. Me too. You can see the the three uh, movies that he put up, and we're using the term movies very very loosely. Mm -hmm. These are two two and a half seconds of of just very poor quality, but it's the first. Yeah. It, this is this is man discovering fire in, in a very real sense. You have one of just some guy walking. That's it. You have one of traffic. And you have a very pleasant pleasant one of a kid playing the accordion. Oh, you're forgetting about the, the, the dancing in the garden. No, no, no. That's the one, the man walking with oh, like, okay. the dancing in the garden. All right, yeah. I think of it as in like, because they're sort of like prancing around. Yeah, he's kind of like skipping about and what have you. Yeah, that's the, the, the round hay garden scene. And it was the 14th of October, 1888. Yeah. And this will come up later. His mother-in-law is in it. She died only 10 days later. That'll be a little bit important later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just two men and two women walking around in like a circle, kind of like dancing around a little bit. And uh, it, it was a shot at his father-in-law's house, from my understanding. Uh, and this was, yeah, he just, in, in 1888. And this was before Edison had even pronounced his yeah. intention to start thinking about his... <laughs> Not just said he was going to, but he said, I'm going to start thinking about making a moving picture machine. This is around about the same time Edison also said, I'm thinking about creating a device that allows me to make telephone calls to the dead. 
That man would patent anything. Yes, he would. The, these movies, these movies, and we'll be sure to put them up on the uh, the Facebook page. They're only two seconds long. At, at most, I would say two seconds long. But I would say these are better movies than The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. <laughs> I would agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> much better films. Much better films. Lucas could take some advice from Pierre Le Prince. Louis, Louis Le Prince. Louis, Pierre, Pierre, I'm sure there's a Pierre in there. Yes, his grandfather. <laughs> yes, that's right. You're I, mixing him up with his family. <laughs> I am. I am. There's so much French going on here today. So, so yeah. Um, he made these movies, and uh, this was happening. Traffic over Leeds Bridge. It's really there's actually a plaque there um, where where he shot it. There's two different plaques, but I only ever saw the same one, so I'm not sure if they just have the same plaque that says the same thing in different places, or if there's only pictures of the one. I'm not sure, but yeah, it is memorialized in Leeds. They're very proud of of him for creating this here, and the main issue at this point was that. He's working, I, th- I think at this point he was working with the one lens camera. He had, he had whittled it down to one lens. And he had, he had gotten a patent for the 16 lens. And in the process, tried to get a patent on the, the, the one lens as well. Tried to make it kind of like a kind of catch-all for different numbers of lenses because he wasn't entirely sure what was going to work. And they only gave him the patent for the 16 lens, which will also come up later. Uh, but the main problem was that he needed to make a projector. So he worked with uh, a mechanic, and this was around 1889 and 1890 that this was happening. James Longley worked with him to make a projector, and they actually made it happen. So not only made the camera, made the projector too. We have so much to thank him for anytime we sit down on the couch and turn on the TV or anytime we go to the theater and settle down with some popcorn. Yeah, this is... I mean, not that it wouldn't have happened, but he was really... The first. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of the ideas that came through, I, I think a lot of them are kind of birthed by Le Prince. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's it's a thing. I don't think people would have came up with these ideas because at the time, like you had things like Nickelodeons and the projector may not have ever happened. Because people would put their their face into the Nickelodeons and crank this thing and it would flip the photographs around. And we might, like, if it wouldn't be for Le Prince, it might be a situation where, like, we would all wait our turns to watch Endgame. Like, yeah. it just, or they'd give us our little VR headsets and we'd all sit there going like, you know, it'd be really cool. If we didn't have to wear these, if there was just some way we could see movies without wearing these instead of, no, here we have projectors now. It would be like uh, when uh, my husband and I, when we were on the plane back from France and we had had, you know, not heads on the back of the headrests, there were screens and you could watch movies, play games. And Jackson and I realized, you know, Deadpool 2 is on there. We wanted to see it. We hadn't mm-hmm. seen it yet. So we both put on our headphones and tried to sync it up. And we were able to sync it up at first, but then the food came and that, like, I, and, and then later I accidentally knocked into it with my head while I was trying to get something out of my bag. And it's, the whole entire time it was like, mine was like two seconds before his or two seconds after. And finally I just accepted that we're just going to be laughing at different times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah, it would be, it wouldn't be the communal experience that it is today. 
It's, Absolutely It's very not. much a communal experience. I love it when something funny happens on a TV show or in a movie and, you know, Jackson laughs and looks over at me. Yeah. You know, like, are you sharing this with me? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> not only that, I, I think we as humans, we like to be entertained. We like to be in awe of something. And usually that, there's two types of awe. There's like the baby chicken. Aww. Aww. And then there's like seeing this grand huge scale thing in front of you. you are, you're not going to get that with a VR headset. Mm-hmm. You get that by actually having this physical giant screen in front of you. Ah, oh, you know, that's, there's your two senses of awe. Mm-hmm. And it, as neat as VR is, as impressive as VR is, I don't think you get that sense of awe because you're always going to know it's really just like two inches in front of my face. I'm curious, what's your biggest like sense of awe that you felt at the theater? My biggest sense of awe, I went, I can't even remember the name of the movie. I went to an IMAX theater that's in the Smithsonian. Oh, wow. And it was, the movie was about the history of of travel. And there's a scene in there. And I mean, this IMAX screen is massive. And on top of that, you're, you're kind of sitting up and above everybody. Your feet are down where the next person head is and there's a set of feet behind your head so you've got like this entire thing to yourself and there was a scene in this movie where they were in a hot air balloon and the camera was kind of shot from another hot air balloon so it's looking down on this hot air balloon and i realize i'm gripping the the armrest and pushing back with my feet and i had to tell myself brain we're not in a balloon. We're not falling <laughs> forward. You can relax. Mm-hmm. And I think that was definitely my most sense of awe in a theater. And I can't even remember the title of the movie. I can't can't tell you what the plot of it was really about. There was like some sort of weird plot. But it was just, I was that immersed in that film at the moment because of the size of the screen. Because of the surroundings. Mm-hmm. That, that really, it really got to me. What about you? Uh, when the Star Wars special editions came out, yeah, and I got to see them on the big screen for the first time after watching them on little screens, and for and we never really had like a very big television attached to our VCR, um, so so yeah, all my life I'd only seen it on little screens, and then finally. It's, it was the most exciting thing. I mean, I was up at the theater trying to buy tickets in advance, and they were like, we're not doing that. Like, <laughs> it's like, come Why on. not? And then standing in line for it, and then actually going in, and that moment of seeing, you know, the, the crawl of words across the, the, the backdrop of the sky, you know, the, the, of the space for the very first time in the way that it was meant to be shown was incredible to me. And yes, I know that, you know, the special editions can be controversial because Han shot first and everything. And I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And the added scenes didn't necessarily add anything, but it was just the experience of seeing it was absolute law. Like this is how it's meant to be. Nothing against the TV or anything, but that feeling of, you know, just being, it's, it's that immersion. Yeah. Yeah. And, And being able to see it with other people. I went multiple times to each one. I was, such a nerd before it was cool <laughs> see i think i think i'm about 10 years older than you mm-hmm. so it was a thing where i have seen with the exception of seven and eight i've seen every star wars film in the theater and yeah so it's the thing where like people it, it kind of it kind of like trips me out a little bit that there are people that have only seen star wars on a tv screen mm-hmm. yeah and 
Yeah. That was I, me. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you got the experience. It's, I am too. Yeah, yeah. I still look back on that very fondly. So, so yeah, that was you know, something that we may not have had specifically without Louis Le Prince. So, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, he, uh, he made this uh, projector. I only saw this noted in one place, so I'm not sure how accurate it is or what the timeline is. But this was a workshop on Woodhouse Lane. And later, supposedly, it would be occupied by the BBC for a time. I did not know that. So it was like I said, just one place. It was kind of like a throwaway line, and I was like, "Oh, that's interesting. That's that's perfect. It, it feels like a a tribute, you know, to his work." That feels right. Yeah, it does. It feels right. I yeah. hope. I hope it's true. So, and then 1890, early 1890, uh, he actually did do a demonstration for a few hundred people at the uh, the Opera House in Paris. So, so a few hundred people actually did get to see this, uh, this, this actual, you know, these moving pictures. I imagine it was very short, <laughs> you know, six seconds or so, and then you're out. Yeah. You know, no bathroom breaks needed. It's like two seconds I, of like, wow, this is going to be good. And then two seconds of film, like, that was great. Yeah. Done. I didn't even take one bite of my popcorn. I blinked. Can you play it again? What do you mean, no? No refunds. Shit. I mean, wait, Merd. Merd. So he's doing this. While he's doing this, his family, uh, his wife and his kids, they're in New York and they're preparing for an actual exhibition of his films. This is going to be, you know, I think the Paris one, even though it's Paris, very important city, I think that was just a precursor. That was just kind of like a little test, a trial run. And the New York one was going to be the big, this was going to be it. They were... Uh, they rented and renovated the Morris Jummel Mansion. I should look that up. I wonder if it's still there. Hmm. I, I didn't even think to. Uh, and which was the oldest home in the borough. And so they're preparing for this. You know, it, it, in November of 1890, they're going to have uh, Leprince come and present some of his films. And it's going to be. You know, distinguished people are going to be invited. It's going to be a big event. And I am just it. Breaks my heart that it yeah. didn't happen, it, yeah. honestly. In September of 1890, Louis uh, prepares to go back to England, and then he's going to go, like you said, to the USA, but he decides to first visit family in France. Yes. And I only found this in one spot, but supposedly a family member had passed away. His mother, I His believe. Mother. His mother had, had, had from, from what I understand, had passed away actually three years ago. She, she had died in 1887. And uh, so he went to visit his brother, Albert, sometimes occasionally referred to as Arthur in different places. So that was confusing. I'm wondering if it might be a thing where we're saying Albert, Albert. Albert, yeah. And then people mishear it as Arthur. Or it could be Albert or Arthur. Yeah. You're like you know, yeah. multiple first names like we had with Daguerre. And you, you kind of looked at me funny when I said his name. Or <laughs> I was like, no, I saw it differently in different places too. Yeah. So, so yeah, uh, I'm going to call him Albert. Uh, and so they were both, he, he was going to Dijon to visit uh, Albert mm-hmm. to deal with some s- stuff from his, their mother's will. Yeah. And the mother's will mm-hmm. leaves, uh, leaves Louis with a tidy sum. Yeah. About, uh, about 140,000, I think in, I think in today's dollars. No, those, uh, I don't know. I, what I read was $3.1 million in today's money. Mine was from a podcast. It was from the Gone podcast, I believe, where they mentioned, but they could have been misspoke or something. I'm not sure. And you know what? And here's the thing. 
Mine could have been wrong too. Yeah, it could have been somebody who assumed that that you know they were talking one hundred and forty thousand in in that day's money, and then you know that would be because how does you know his, his dad was a, a major, yeah, but mm-hmm. that seems like a lot of money, and you know it, it doesn't. We don't have a profession for the mother, and you know as usual she was probably especially if she was a major's wife she was probably a, a stay at home mother. Right. You know. Either way, either way, it's an impressive amount of money. Yeah. Either way, it's it's helpful no matter right. what. Right. I want the listener to remember that. Mm-hmm. I want the listener to remember that coming up because I think this actually blows away one of the theories. It could possibly, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so they were both, both uh, Louis and Albert were beneficiaries, and Albert Albert was the executor of the will. So I heard in one place, executor and architect of the will, and I was like. I don't think you're allowed to write somebody else's will. Yeah, and I tried to look up architect of a will, and it just gave me something for, I think, a video game or D&D or something. I wasn't sure. I just knew it wasn't related to what I was researching. So I was like, okay, I'm moving on. Yeah. I'm just going to go with executor. So, so yeah, Albert is in charge of this. And keep in mind, it's been three years. You know, this is generally, yeah, probate takes a while, mm-hmm. but it's been three years. So we're not sure what happened in the intervening time. But it seems like, you know, he maybe was probably okay if he didn't need to get that money at any yeah. point, if he could just, like, you know, take his time with it. Albert lives in the city of Dijon. We're not going to do any mustard jokes. No, we're not. This is called low-hanging fruit, and we will have <laughs> none of that at yeah. old-timey priming. Yeah. I almost said the name of my other podcast. <laughs> I've done that, or I've almost done that before. Yeah, I do have, although, I do have a little jar of uh, Dijon mustard. From it's not actually from Dijon, but it's from Bonn, which is they they make it's right next to Dijon, and they make some of the mustard there. So I have that sitting in the kitchen. There we go. And I rode right past, right through Dijon on our way uh, to from Paris to Bonn. That's got to be neat because you don't have to imagine. No, 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 I don't. Yeah, <laughs> we almost actually went to Dijon. That was going to be like one of our stops, and then I saw Bonn, and I was like, oh, I like this place. Yeah. <laughs> I, I see you and Jackson ending up moving there. Yeah, well, we'll see. I don't want to get my hopes up. <laughs> so, so yeah, he visits Albert, and next thing he's going to do is uh, go back to, to Leeds, get his camera, which is all packed up all nicely and waiting for him, and then head off for New York for the exhibition. Right. He boards the Dijon Paris Express. Yes. That's important. Express. Yes. It leaves Dijon. It goes to Paris. There are no stops in between. I saw that in most places. One place said there were a few stops. I don't necessarily believe that of an express. Yeah. So, so I, I kind of discounted that. And I have in, in all caps, no stops. So I was very emphatic about that. Yeah, I don't believe there were any stops either. And yeah, yeah he boards is, it. This is not old-timey filmy. This is old-timey <laughs> crimey. It's not going to go right. No, no, it's not. Because his brother, Albert, sees him off. Uh, onto the train, and the train arrives in Paris. Louis had boarded it with his his luggage and uh, containing in very important papers. Uh, I believe some of the blueprints for his camera, uh, kind of like a safeguard. You know, uh, if the if the workshop goes up in flames while he's gone, he at least you know has you don't put everything in one place. Mm-hmm. Um, and also possibly some patent applications that he was still working on. And then the he's going to meet up with some friends in Paris. Except he doesn't. No. He uh, 
straight up vanishes. Yep. Him and his luggage. And his luggage, yeah. Everything is gone. There's no trace that he was ever on the train. Here's here's something I had trouble with. Every every article that I read about this made it seem like the train pulls in and Scotland Yard storms the train immediately. Yeah. That can't have happened, right? Yeah, no, I don't somebody, I don't see it happening that way. Yeah, somebody had to have went where's where there had to be a span of a couple of hours where people were going like maybe maybe we missed him mm-hmm. like because i wouldn't like maybe we had the train time wrong right if if christy comes over to visit me in an uber and it just doesn't show up like i'm not gonna call the cops i'm gonna wait a little while because i don't want like christy to pull up like a minute and a half late and like the police are standing there taking notes and what happened where were you i was so worried it's been five minutes you were supposed to be here 90 seconds ago <laughs> yeah i don't see that happening i see it even taking a couple days before they ring the alarm because they, they could have been you know they didn't have cell phones they could have just been like well maybe we had the wrong day we'll come back tomorrow you know yeah. and check so and and then after that and it says all the passengers were questioned i do believe that you know they they but they probably had to track them down yeah all the passengers they could find yeah so all the probably all the passengers they could find now here's the thing though louis le prince was he wasn't necessarily famous but he cut a very uh, memorable picture this man was 63 or 64 Hard to miss. Yeah. You know, and he had uh, these mutton chops and a, and a big, you know, another big walrus mustache. And uh, it, it, you know, kind of like he, met up with the mutton chops. And he honestly reminded me of Stanford White. Yeah, yeah, in the, the appearance. Photos. Like mm-hmm. if Stanford White would eat vegetables, mm-hmm. that, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I figured that's what Louis Le yeah. Prince looks like. Yeah, he was, he, he cut a very dashing figure, I think. So I don't think you missed that. No. I don't, but nobody had seen him. Nobody. It's, he just, his brother saw him get on the train. Maybe. Maybe. We'll get into that. Mm-hmm. And then absolutely nothing. Yeah. Scotland Yard investigates. And the French police too. The French police, nothing. They check like the rivers on the way. They, they check fields. They check the whole train route from Dijon to Paris. Yeah. Nothing Not a thing. is ever found. Mm-hmm. Nothing is ever found. Um, I have again a... Probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah, I, I have a probably. Oh, and also the train well. had no emergency exits. So don't go thinking they could have snuck out the back way. Yeah. Emergency exits were not a thing yet. <laughs> yeah, it's a... This is a weird one. It this is. is a it weird is very one. strange. <clears throat> this is this is even a little bit more than Bathurst. Mm-hmm. Because with Bathurst, we have... You know, we have this whole mystical thing with Benjamin Bathurst of like, he walked around the carriage and there was a puff of smoke and a whiff of brimstone and he was gone. And then the ray of light came down yeah. from the, the, the strange object in the sky. And a giant tentacle came out of this thing and scooped him up. No. And I heard the strange words, we're going to probe you. Prepare your butts. <laughs> it's, no, whenever you, whenever you start to look at things a little bit deeper... With Bathurst. You see the strangeness in his behavior. Yeah. You see the erraticness. You see the, you know, guns. Yeah. <laughs> the weirdness. And you start to go, oh. And you look at the politics of the time. I get it now. Yeah. With this, this is honestly. Just, yeah. no, not, not even a puff of smoke. Just like, there one second, gone the next. Yeah. Blink and you'll miss it. I don't understand why Bathurst has been so bathed in this 
this unusual, oh, he got sucked into an alternate dimension whenever the fly people from dimension 47B <laughs> scooped him up because he had secret knowledge of the Illuminati. No, there's, there's none of that. It's very obvious what happened to Bathurst. This, though. Yeah, yeah. It's he's just gone. Just gone, yeah. And so there are some theories. Yes. About four of them. Uh, do you want to start with maybe the, the suicide theory? Let's go up? with the suicide theory. Yeah, let's theory. get that one out yeah. of the way. Um, eventually, this didn't seem to come up for a while, but eventually his brother's grandson came out and said, uh, was talking to a, a film historian named Georges Potonnier, and said, uh, you know, my, my grandpa's brother, his, you know, he was, he was about to go bankrupt. Uh, so, you know, he was, he was a perfectionist. He was worried that his projector was not the best it could be and everything was getting, you know, not going to go as well as he wanted it to. So he arranged for the perfect suicide where, you know, he, both he and his luggage would vanish, which is what mm, I have. There's so many, there's so many bullshits. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a lot of bullshit You can grow there, a yeah. garden with the fertilizer. <laughs> yeah. His business was profitable. Yeah, it was he doing w- fine. He was yeah. making money. He had just received an inheritance, a sizable inheritance. Most likely. Yeah. He was proud of his invention. Yeah, he was, it was his life's work. Yeah. He, and, and he was not going to, you know, leave his, his wife and, and kids high and dry and leave his work that he was obsessed with behind. Right, and he was on the verge. Yeah, yeah, he was on and the verge of the knew, big one. He knew he was on the verge, too. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that there were jitters. Oh, sure. Yeah. I think, but myself, I would have killed myself after. <laughs> like, if, if I took this stuff to New York, I would, have, uh, I would have waited definitely until after people went, this sucks. I want to stare at a still photo for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. And, no, he was on the verge of something. And a train seems like a weird choice for the quote-unquote perfect suicide. Su- yeah. I don't understand why you would be like, oh, yeah, definitely... First choice is definitely a train. I want my suicide to turn into a shitty Agatha Christie novel. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's the suicide theory. Another fairly similar one with similar objections um, is the uh, when it disappearance for, quote-unquote, familial convenience, which is a euphemism for... You're, you're gay, gay and we don't like it. <laughs> we don't like it. Get out. Once again, once again, if... I wouldn't care. Like, it would... He's on the verge of being a bajillionaire. Mm-hmm. I don't think his wife would have cared at this point that he was going to be gay if he was gay, which I don't think he was. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think she would have given two shits because she is about ready to be rolling in the cash. Yeah, and she's about ready to have a famous husband. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. which, you know, may or may not have really mattered to her, but it seemed like, you know, she was part of his life work. She's the one who's out there, you know, working on this mansion to get it ready for the exhibition. She's she's his partner. They really seem to have a good partnership. Yeah. So, so I don't think she, you know, would suddenly turn around, at, you know, as she's 
renovating the mansion for his exhibition and be like, you know what? The exhibition's in like two months. Why don't you go and live in Chicago and just be gay there? You know, like I don't see that happening. Which I don't think Chicago was a good place to be gay (laughs) at the time. No place really was, but (laughs) it's Uh, a part of history that no place really was. There was was better places than others. Oh, certainly, yeah. There's a a scale and Chicago's not high on it. No, definitely not. Definitely not. I would say probably... If I would have to make a guess as to the safest place to be gay at the at that time, I would say either Germany or Greece. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. And he'd spent some time in Germany, too. Absolutely. So, in Leipzig. So, yeah, this is uh this is strange. There was there was one piece of evidence, um a journalist in uh 1977 uh, told the... Okay, so he basically said, the director of the Dijon Municipal Library showed me a note that claimed Louis died in 1898 in Chicago. And... But that's all. That's that's hearsay of hearsay of hearsay. Yeah. That's, that is in no... That's worse rampant speculation than we do weekly. Yeah, you know? seriously. You want to talk rampant speculation? That's it. Right there. <laughs> As usual. It's the thing. Showed me a note is yeah. worth nothing. Yeah. That's like whenever I was a kid and like, you know, like the one, you had that one kid in the neighborhood that went, yeah, my dad, my dad works for Kenner and they're going to make Millennium Falcon. <laughs> the, I, I've played with it. It's going to be huge. And like Chewbacca talks whenever you put him in the seat. No, there's always that one kid that's full of bullshit. And I think this is the historian version of that. I saw a letter. That said that he died in Chicago and he was gay. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a game of telephone over almost a century, yeah. and with with very very mumbly people. Exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, I don't put any stock into that. And his assistant said his assistant Frederick Mason, um, who knew never him, said he was gay whenever we were having sex together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I asked him. I was like, "Is this gay?" And he was like, "No, it's not. Gay. Totally not gay. Totally not gay." So, um, so yeah, he said, no, he's, he's not, you know, he would never leave his work and his family. These are two very important things for him. And, you know, so yeah, I don't, I don't see this happening and yeah, I don't put any stock. So those are two, um, and then, oh, another little hole to put in this theory is some say, okay, well, maybe it wasn't because he was gay. It was because he was out of money. So again, back to the, the you know, possible reasons for suicide. But... It, he just got that inheritance. Yeah, if he got the inheritance. Yeah. We don't know for sure anything about that. Um, but, and, you know, I have some things to say about that. But if, if he got the inheritance, like, but why? Why abandon your life's work? Again, you know? It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense. So, so yeah, I don't feel like that is a reliable theory. We have the bro-killing theory. We do have the bro-killing theory, yes. We do have Albert. Honestly, this is the one that seems the most plausible to me. I'm going to agree with you on that. Yeah. This is... I could see the bro looking at him and going like, I want all the money. Mm -hmm. Either that or had already spent it. It's yeah. been three years. He's the executor of the state. Not that it would be right or legal, but if Louis isn't around to say anything about it, then it's all okay. Yeah. Nobody else sees Louis get on the train. Yeah. We only have Albert's word. We have... That's it. Yeah. We have his nothing word. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nobody sees him on the train. 
Nobody sees him get off the train. We have one person who has motive and opportunity. Mm -hmm. And it's fairly easy to just say, well, the last time I saw him was, you know, getting on the train. Mm -hmm. And not the last time I saw him was when I buried him in the backyard. Yeah. Not to, you know, say that it was definitely was Albert, but this seems like the most likely if it you know possibility now there are also holes to poke in this one um so they questioned him he was questioned so there's that the scotland yard and the french police they did take him everything at face value and never searched the home because they didn't know about the possible motive they had no right. idea about the money but by all accounts they were very close brothers. Lizzie said so herself. You know, they were very close. He would have no reason to do this, although she seemed a little invested in our fourth theory, so mm -hmm. there's that. Um, and there was also no proof that he had any money problems. There's no proof that he didn't, <laughs> but there's no proof that he did. So you can't, you know, prove a negative. Yeah, it yeah. just, it doesn't, it's, it's not concrete. It's just, again, we're talking about theories. Rampant speculation. It's what we do here at Old Timey Crimey. It's yeah. not the more you know, it's the more you don't know. <laughs> I, the more you kind of make up as you go. Yes, yes, very much. I like to make up things as I go. It's, it's fun. I write fiction. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> We're experts at it. Yes. So, so yeah, that is one theory. That's the number three. Mm -hmm. And then you have Edison. 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 Who? Historical <sighs> bastard, Thomas yes. Alva Edison. Oh, so much anger for this man. Yeah. He, yeah. So, Le Prince was about to patent the 1889 projector, threatening Edison's foothold on the patent for moving pictures. Mm -hmm. uh, Edison was working with the Lumiere brothers uh, to get that patent down for moving pictures. Um, and... The Prince's son Adolf is called as a witness for the American Motoscope Corporation in their litigation against Edison. Uh, they're suing Edison, mm -hmm. kind of going like, "No, you didn't do it." Yeah, you didn't do it first. Yeah, he did the Prince. Yeah, the Prince did it, and uh, they lost the case. Yeah, and it, in a stunning bit of testimony that also again breaks my heart that it didn't work. Remember, I said. Uh, Le Prince's mother-in-law died only 10 days after mm -hmm. that, that film in, in, the, in the garden was taken. He's, Le Prince's son, Adolf, Adolf, I don't want to say Adolf. No, it's just such an uncomfortable such name. such a lovely name. I wonder why people don't use it anymore. <laughs> All children should be named Adolf. No, no, don't do it. Um, so he came and he testified with his grandmother's death certificate and said, look, she was, she died. In 1886, before Edison did anything with the moving picture machine, before he invented a, a damn thing regarding movies, and she's in this movie. So this had to have been invented before he did. And it's really, it must have been a very dramatic moment. You have, you know, this, this, this son who, who helped with his father's work. He's very invested in it. He's talking about his grandmother's death, and he's using it to prove the fact that Edison wasn't the first... And basically, it all comes down to, again, the heartbreaking patent fact of the 16-lens camera versus the one-lens camera. Mm -hmm. He couldn't prove which one took the film, and so they lost the case. And there was another problem in that you would think, okay, well, if Louis is missing, well, Lizzie, 
she could do something with it. She could still go on with the exhibition. Everything's ready as long as there's somebody with the technical know-how to actually do it. Nope. Nope. No camera. Not according to the... Well, no. The camera's there. It's, oh. in, it's in Leeds. I, I, okay. He, My I, apologies. I believe he was going to go pick it up. It's not the camera. It's the patent laws. You can't <sighs> use a missing person's inventions that they've patented for seven years after they go missing. Oh. If somebody dies... That's fine. You can use it. But not if they're missing, which is a really important distinction and kind of makes you think. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. So it is thought. The theory is that Edison hired some goons. Mm-hmm. And made Le Prince disappear. Because you also have his bag, you know, his, his bag missing that had the papers. Yeah. So you have, a, you know, a double whammy of his blueprints for his invention, his patent applications that have all the information about it in it, and him. All of this stuff that could prove that he, Edison would, would not be the first, and it all goes missing. So you have the, both the person and the information, and so it, it gets rid of two threats in one fell swoop. And you did have Edison as a figure who was very, uh, he was just... He was a bad person. He was a bad I'm person. I'm sorry to say this. We don't learn this in school, it, but he was a very bad person. This is a this is a man who, uh, if, if he did murder Le Prince, it's not the first man that he murdered. He <laughs> actually created an electric chair because he was angry at, at an inventor that you should know of, Nikola Tesla. Mm-hmm. He was angry, and he wanted to show how dangerous Nikola Tesla's alternating current was. So he went on this campaign of electrocuting dogs and cats. Yeah, stray cats and dogs. Stray cats mm-hmm. and dogs. An elephant. Yo, the elephant was later. Yeah. The oh, elephant wasn't part of the, the War of the Currents. Yeah, but The elephant he, was uh, 1903, actually. Right. But, but yeah, that it, he didn't necessarily electrocute it. It was... Um, the company was an Edison company, but I think it's falsely associated with him. And, but his moving picture company mm-hmm. did, certainly did film it. Oh, yeah. And this was Topsy the Elephant, in case you're curious, in 1903. You can, you can watch this video you watch on th- YouTube. I decided not to because I want to sleep tonight. That's right. Um, because they didn't just electrocute. No. First they strangled, then they poisoned. This was, And then they electrocuted. This was a whole big the- event. It was a... This was a I'm just okay. So here's my thing. I do want this to be associated with Edison because Edison wanted to put his name on all kinds of things that he didn't do. So here you go, buddy. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing that you didn't do. I'll slap your name right on it. Yeah. I'm saying it right now. Edison flipped that switch himself and killed Topsy the elephant. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> and then he ran behind the camera to make sure that he got it on film. And like I said, he did create an electric chair. Yes, the man they put to death was a criminal. But Edison did create an electric chair to show how dangerous AC current was in his War of the Currents, which he lost. Yeah. Yeah. Look over your electrical current right now. Uh, look over your outlets. <laughs> I'm going to look over your electrical look current. Over the electrical Is there an current. electrical current in here? Jesus Christ. Should I be scared? <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, the, that's Edison's world. Yeah. But if you look at your outlets... That's Nikola Tesla. Absolutely. That's good yeah. old 220 American AC current made, uh, developed by Nikola Tesla. And here's the thing. If it wasn't for Tesla, 
we would have electrical power plants about every five miles in this country because direct current doesn't reach that far. Yeah, right. Exactly. It doesn't. It doesn't do what we need it to do. Exactly. Alternating current can travel for miles. Can travel for miles. Nikola Tesla was a man out of his own time. Mm -hmm. And it is a shame. It is a damn shame that so much of what he did uh, just hasn't been developed. The, the engine that they use in the Tesla, the Tesla vehicle named after Nikola Tesla, mm-hmm. that's not a modern engine. That's an engine Nikola Tesla developed in the late 1800s. It, the, the engines, they don't require much lubrication. They're about the size of a watermelon. And it's freaky because they have instant acceleration. Think about the innovation that we could have if Edison wasn't such a jerk. A dick. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We could have so much more. It's very frustrating. There's a wonderful line, and uh, it's it's from a rap song, believe it or not. There's this channel on YouTube called Epic Rap Battles of History. Mm. But there's a line in one of the songs where it's Thomas Edison versus Nikola Tesla. And the line... I'm sorry, it's 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 a comedy skit, but a truer line has never been spoken. Nikola Tesla says, you didn't steal from me, you stole me from mankind. Yeah. And I That's, don't think oh, there's any good. other, there's no better statement to be said, you didn't steal from me, you stole me from mankind. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, Edison's a bastard. Now, there is, there is an article Yes, we need to talk about this. Yes. We need to talk about this. I have some stuff in all caps about this. Go ahead. You go first. You oh, go first yeah. with this. I'll go with the... Uh, okay. All right. So, uh, I found this late in my research. I hadn't seen it anywhere else. And I have, you know, a, a bunch of sources piled up, mm-hmm. you know, 15 or so. I don't even... I can't count them because they're all URLs. Um, but, so yeah, I, I have all that. So, supposedly at a time... We don't know when. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a grad student named Alexis Bedford um, at the University of New York. Have you heard of that school? I have heard of that school. Okay. I've heard of the University of New York. So he's studying, what do you know, chemistry and mm-hmm. photography. Sounds like a certain Louis Le Prince we know. My pronunciation of Le Prince is just all over the place Le here. Prince. <laughs> Le Prince. So, um, so yeah, he's doing some research into motion picture history. And he finds himself in the archives of the New York Library. Which one, you ask? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, apparently. Um, so, this is in the forgotten archives, of mm-hmm. course. Finds... With his fedora and his leather jacket and his bullwhip. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> this, this diary should be in a museum. <laughs> Find Margaret Murray, what are you doing here? <laughs> Something that I'm sure would be locked away in some, some forgotten archives. An old diary of Edison's. There's an entry in there, dated September 20th, 1890. I don't think we specified the date, uh, that uh, the specific date that Le Prince disappeared. That was uh, September 16th. So this is four days after Le Prince's disappearance, and my cat is singing the song of his people. It's in Edison's own hand, and it says, Eric called me today from Dijon. It has been done. Prince is no more. This is good news, but I flinched when he told me. Murder is not my thing. 
I'm an inventor, and my inventions for moving images can now move forward. So, Scott, mm-hmm. we have some things to say about this, and I'll let you go ahead. Bullshit! Bullshit! Bullshit. <laughs> this, this reeked of bullshit. It I reeked. Could... There were no citations. None. And I, I went a little far. But I didn't go as far as you, but I couldn't find any of these people. Alexis Bedford, I couldn't find uh, the, the historian that supposedly verified that this was Edison's, whose yes. name was Robert E. e. Meyer. Yes. I couldn't find the supposed uh, curator of the library, whose name was... Uh, Charlene Edmonds. Thank you, Charlene Edmonds, yes. yes. I couldn't... No, no, these people don't exist on the internet. Can you believe that in this That's, day and age? It, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. And this is an article, by the way, in a, ostensibly a science journal. Not yes. just a science magazine, but a science journal. ScienceDirect.com. Uh, so I gave the New York University a call. <laughs> nice. And I said, uh, hey, could I speak to Robert Meyer, please? And keep yeah. in mind, this is New York University, NYU. Yes. In the article, it's University of New York, which isn't... Well, it's both ways in the article. Yeah, it does flip yeah. back and forth. But you would think somebody writing an article about a, an incredible historic find would be a little consistent. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. So, I, I called New York University, and I said, hey, can I speak to a historian that you have there, Robert Meyer? And they go, uh, just a moment. Yeah, we don't have anyone here by that name. And I said, uh, could he have possibly worked there at one point? And they said, yeah, he, he might have worked here at one point. Go, well, how could I find out? And they go, just do a Google search because anybody that works here would almost certainly have to be published. Absolutely. It's academia and it's, yeah. and it's a very prestigious university. And there is a saying in academia, Publish or perish. Mm -hmm. That basically means your name better be out there in, in respected, well-known journals in your field, or you're not going to be respected and well-known on our campus. In fact, you're not going to be on our campus because you're not going to have tenure. I googled Robert E. Meyer. As did I. I googled Robert Meyer. I googled Bob Meyer. I changed the spelling of his name because mm -hmm. it's M-E-Y-R-E -E in the article, so I tried the, the more common M-E-Y-E-R. Mm -hmm. I even tried Meyer. Uh, like a uh, Oscar. Uh, oh, like well, M A I E R. Yeah, well, like. Oh, no, a, oh, sorry. M E I E R. Okay, is how all right. I tried it. Nothing. Nothing. Not a thing. Nothing. There is none of these people exist. And the person who wrote this article, it said winner of our writing competition, but it wasn't specific as to what what is this? Is this a fiction competition? Yeah. Because it was presented as fact. Absolutely. And whoever wrote this loved their exclamation points. Yes, yes, that drives me crazy. Yeah. You, you, get, you get one. You get one, not even per work, but for per decade. Yeah. <laughs> you get one. So, yeah. Um, and there's a whole bunch of other, like, smelly, smelly stuff here. The bullshit is piled high because this Robert Meyer, again, we said, he, you know, historian. He worked at, you know, NYU. He would be published. Wouldn't you think he would publish an incredible historic find, like a diary that he verified was Thomas Edison admitting to being part of a murder? Yeah. I would think that would be a big splash in the freaking history world. You mean another murder. Another murder, yes. <laughs> and wouldn't this, this grad student probably want to be part of it and have his name attached to it as well? This Alexis Bedford that appears absolutely nowhere? Yeah, there's yeah. so much there that it just absolutely stinks. It's, it's totally... So my theory is that we can't find any of this because 
Edison murdered them to shut them up. There we go. <laughs> That's my theory. He the came ghost forward of Thomas the Edison. The ghost of Thomas Edison murdered them to shut them up. And oh, another thing, because there's just so much that, that stinks here. Murder is not my thing. Does that sound like something that somebody in 18 freaking 90? The only way it could have been worse was, murder's not my bag, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way it could have been worse. Maybe that would be like, murder is not my milieu. You know, <laughs> like... It, it just is absolutely, like, it stinks to high heaven. Like, if I was going to write it, I care not to muddy my hands with these affairs. Yeah, yeah. And there, you, that's something Edison would have said. And you would think he would be a little more vague. Yeah. I mean, for all that he was a jackass, he was not a stupid man. No. He was a cruel man and a horrible man, but he wasn't dumb. No, definitely not. You have to be quite intelligent to pull one over on Nikola Tesla. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, everything about this... Absolutely stinks to high heaven. None of this is, is true. None of this is true. And it was actually kind of frustrating for me to get to this point in my research where I have, you know, five and a half pages and then I feel like I have to do like another, you know, hour of research to, to see because as soon as I heard this, I was like, this didn't appear anywhere else. Nowhere else did I see this in any of my 15 different sources. And so it just gave me a call. Scott, do you know anything about this? Yeah, I called him. It's all bullshit. Yeah, but we don't talk about it too much beforehand. Yeah, we like to keep it fresh. We did talk about this beforehand, but <laughs> but yeah, that was just because we couldn't wait. Exactly. <laughs> we were just so excited. So so yeah, absolutely bullshit. And I think we can close the door on that. Um, now we talked about uh, Adolf Adolfa, his son. He interestingly died two years after his testimony. While duck hunting yes. on Fire Island at the age of 29 in a hunting accident. Yes. Now, I have different feelings about this. It seems convenient, yes, but was he really a threat at that point in time? I don't think he was. Hunting accidents happen. I, I know... I know three people who have died in hunting accidents. Yeah, I know I know or know of at least one. Not, yeah. not necessarily a hunting, but a gun accident. Although that one was suspicious, too. So, um... But yeah, it just seems very, you know, sometimes coincidences are just coincidences. See last week's episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm falling over onto your side. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's, I think it's just a yeah. coincidence. So, and then in 1897, uh, the same year actually, I believe as the, is it, 97 or 98 was the, the patent lawsuit uh, he was the patent lawsuit was 1889. I think I thought it was later. Oh, I'm sorry. 1898. 1898. 1898. So, but by that time it was all too late. Anyhow, 18 in, in 1897, Louis Le Prince was declared dead in absentia. But where is absentia? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to try and steal it from you, but I decided to just let you have it because it is yours. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's all yours. So, um, so I was going to be like, why would he go to absentia, Scott? Or, did, did we I ever, found him. Did I ever tell you where I got that from? No, I don't but think where, so. I was, I was watching a news report about somebody that was on the run. And they actually said on this news report, they said, well, he was convicted and found guilty in absentia. And the, the anchor went, very interesting. Uh, Bob, where is Absentia? <laughs> so it was an honest-to-God. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it was an honest-to-God bullshit, oh, fuck, moments. Wow. So, so yeah, declared dead in Absentia. 
1897. We don't really have anything more until about 2003. Yeah. Uh, they found uh, in the police archives of Paris, they found a photograph of a drowned man from 1890 who resembled... LaPrance. Pretty strongly resembled. Pretty strongly resembled. He had the mutton chops and the mustache. It is a pretty strong resemblance. I'm going to say we're not going to put this on the, the social media because I don't like putting pictures of dead people. Up. Right. I find, I, I know that I wouldn't want to be scrolling through my feed and, oh, there's a dead person. I would immediately hide those people or unfollow or whatever. Right, right. I don't want to do that to somebody else while they're drinking their morning you, coffee. You can, if. It's not as disturbing as the pictures we found last week. Absolutely but, <laughs> not. Um, if but you want to Google it, you can Google yeah, it. Yeah, it, it's going to be very easy to find. If you just do a Google image search for Louis Le Prince, you're going to find it. Yeah, or Louis Le Prince drowned, whatever. Yeah. And and also, um, the there was a man who made a documentary called The First Film, uh, David Wilkinson, and he says that this man was too short. I I have a hard time believing that you have this mysterious disappearance everybody is trying to make a name for themselves in the paris police department mm -hmm. and they find they find this drowned person they just went we don't know who it is and it was sometime in 1890 well, it was, would have been fresh yeah it would have been fresh because it was september yeah so there's only a couple months so if they found this body in october november december somebody's gonna remember oh remember that guy with the mutton chops and the mustache that we were looking for you know who's six three like this body is yeah you know the the locked door mystery that we have that everybody's <laughs> scratching their heads over and if anybody solves it they will be instantly famous that one nah i think this is unrelated even though no it's it's obviously not him. It's a striking resemblance. Mm -hmm. so, Very striking, yeah. yeah. So much so. The resemblance is so strong that I have trouble believing. It's, it's the strong resemblance because whenever somebody's in death, their muscles relax. Mm -hmm. There's a difference in the face because of the horizontal positioning. It's so similar that I can't imagine this guy actually looked like this in life. So are you thinking secret evil twin? Uh, maybe. There we go. Edison cloned him. Solved it. Yeah. <laughs> Edison, Edison kidnaps Le Prince, clones him off. The clone is shorter because it's not as old as him. It didn't fully mature. And he's forcing Le Prince to slave away in a factory underground like with the rest of the troglodytes. Weird man in the iron mask thing we have going on. Absolutely. So do you hear that, French police of 1890? We just solved your mystery. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. So, so yeah, um, that's pretty much it. Yeah. For Louis Le Prince. We have, so, okay, so I think we both feel the same uh, way about the theories of the four theories we have. Suicide. Uh, perfect suicide, um, family convenience, disappearance, uh, the assassination, and just straight up fratricide. I honestly have to say, if I have to pick one of those as the theory, it's fratricide. Same here. That was yeah. the one I was I was leaning the most toward. The honestly, like I feel obviously the Edison one is the juiciest. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's the most entertaining. It would make a Quite a film, ironically. <laughs> and I wouldn't put it past Edison. Oh, absolutely. It seems like it could happen, but when you present those theories together, it's really that one fact 
that Albert was the last person to see him and nobody else on that train, which trains to Paris, they tend to be pretty full. Yeah. You know, yeah. like people aren't, you know, saying, you know what, let's not go to Paris. <laughs> you know, people are going to Paris. And and then his, his grandnephew coming out and going, kind of defending. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, that, bringing these other theories up. Yeah, it's almost like you protest too much. Yes, yes. Me thinks they'll just protest too yeah. much. Yeah. So honestly, if I have to, I mean, it's definitely a mystery. But if I have to go any way with it, the brother did it. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you on that. I think he. you're right. He had motive. He had opportunity. And he just he was not looked into enough. So, yeah, so yeah if I have to pick one, uh, that's, that's my theory too. Yep. So, it, it, hey, niece of mine, did, did you hear any of this? <laughs> she she's doing hand gestures for an audio medium. <laughs> yeah. So okay, I'm just gonna list off the theories, and you just even if you didn't hear, just randomly pick one that feels right to you. Uh, suicide disappeared for familial convenience, which is code for uh, he's gay, and so he 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 went somewhere else. Uh, killed by henchmen of Thomas Edison, or his brother did it. Which one do you like? The gay plot. <laughs> I hope that picked up on the microphone. The gay plot. It's kind of juicy. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. Thomas Edison. All right, she's going to go with Thomas Edison. Okay. No, no, no. No? Um, I don't know. Associate with him. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't associate she's, with him. I'm not hanging out with that Edison boy. He's a bad influence. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, so probably the brother. The sixteen-year-old yes. gets it. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it's really one of those mysteries that doesn't feel like it should have been too much of a mystery. It really doesn't. No. Yeah. If, if they if they had gone a little more after the brother, I think they would have probably found their answer. But you see this all the time. I mean, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, and you see. That one person that people in that moment should have been scratching their heads and saying, but maybe we should look at this person. Like anybody, if you're out there, um, listen to the Teacher's Pet podcast. Uh, sorry, Australians, you can't actually listen to it because it, it happened in your country and there's current um, legal action going forward. And so they had to take it off the air in order to be fair towards the defendant. So, <laughs> so other people, and I know we have some Australian listeners, Hello, mate. Nope, nope, nope. Not going to do that again. Um, <laughs> nope, not going to try it. Um, so, so yeah, but yeah, there's there's another case where somebody at some point should have been, I'm not necessarily saying somebody in particular did it, but somebody should have pointed his way and somebody should have looked a lot harder. Yeah. So, yeah. This would have been a perfect opportunity for us to advertise NordVPN. <laughs> but, unfortunately, they're not giving us money, so we aren't going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Sorry, Australians, but VPN. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. Um, don't really have anything else. Um, what are you up to this weekend? This weekend? Uh, well, I am going to be researching Vadok. Oh, yes, yes. We're going to do 
the much-promised... Uh, we, we really went nuts when we found out about this guy. Yeah. He's like our hero, the father of, of modern criminal investigation. Former criminal, Vidoc. Yes, Vidoc. So we're going to be investigating him and, and researching and talking about... Uh, you know, in, in a week or so, we're going to be having a lot more French pronunciations mm-hmm. that your ears can just soak in. Yes. Enjoy. Lots of nasally speaking. Yes. So, so yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a fun one. That is, that is. Other than that, I'm just spending money on Transformers, really. <laughs> money I don't even have. So, I need the toys. This, this new line is so good. How about you, Christy? What are you up to? Um. Uh, well, we're gonna be uh, taking my niece home, and then I'm probably gonna be doing some work. I've, I've got my Etsy shop going. Uh, I mentioned earlier, I sold my first items. It was nice. very exciting. I'm not gonna really. Um, you know, try to advertise it here, maybe at some point in the future when it's more, there's more there. <laughs> so, and I, I'm working on that. The but... Bell Gunness needle holders. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Bad talk about niche. Yeah. <laughs> super niche. And I just pictured it. Her. Oh yeah. So, so yeah, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be working on that and hopefully fighting past the carpal tunnel that is slowly encroaching on me. I bought a wrist brace yesterday at CVS and only when I got home and looked at it did I realize that, you know, they make wrist braces for your left hand and they make them for your right hand and I am right-handed and I bought the left-handed one. So I need to return that. There we go. So, so yeah, doing that and uh, I'm currently being harassed by one of my co-hosts of my other podcast. I don't know if you saw it pop up on the screen. He's like, oh, I'm assuming you all have your research done and I'm like I have a whole nother podcast I spent my time researching for I'll get to that yeah. on Sunday before we record probably about three hours prior <laughs> so so yeah Isn't, don't you have to read an entire book for that next one it depends on the it depends on the material okay because it's uh, I'll just go ahead and say it's Vic versus Flick we do adaptations uh, of original material and, you know, some movies and, and the stories that inspired them. May I make a suggestion? Yes, absolutely. Roadside Picnic. Roadside... Picnic at the murder farm? <laughs> Not picnic, <laughs> picnic at the murder farm. No, Roadside Picnic is a great novel. Okay. Um, and they made a Russian art film based on it called hmm. Stalker. And there's actually three video games that they based on it. What genre does it fall into? Sci-fi. Okay. Well, I'll, we're currently doing myths. Okay. Uh, so I'll have to... But well, we'll get to sci-fi eventually. We're going to hit every genre, so... I would suggest anybody out there read Roadside Picnic. Essentially, it takes place... Uh, there is this forbidden zone in the Russian wilderness that people are not allowed to go into... Because aliens landed there, mm-hmm. had a picnic, was messy, they left their trash behind, and then skedaddled. Oh, wow. Their trash is our treasure. So mm-hmm. the stuff that they left behind is an invasive species of cotton that only grows on metal. Um, they leave behind uh, infinite batteries that asexually reproduce. <laughs> and there is one thing in there that people go to. It's a machine that if you sacrifice somebody to it, it'll allow you one wish. Oh, boy. Ooh, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. yeah I'm going to have to take a look at that. Yeah, Roadside Picnic. Mm-hmm. The the movie Stalker isn't as good as Roadside Picnic. The video games, though, kind of hold up. But we, if it's a bad movie, we have more fun with that. <laughs> we have a lot of fun with bad movies. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's, Stalker's a bad movie. Okay. I would say it's... Middle of the Road? I wouldn't even say middle of the road. It has a different feel than the novel. 
I would say if you want a good roadside picnic film, the movie Annihilation, which is also based on a novel, feels very roadside picnic-ish. Okay. All right. yeah. I'm going to have to take a look at those and maybe uh, put them on our list. So, awesome. But yeah, our material, our source material for this week doesn't require reading a book. Uh, we're doing some movie called The Identical, uh, and it's actually got some names in it. Ray Liotta, Ashley Judd, Seth Green. Okay. And uh, it, it's, but it, it, from my understanding, is it's more um, like, like biblical uh, references, and, and, and that's basically like like stuff more, more um, Christian that theology that I'm more well-versed in um, because I, I had to read a lot of the Old Testament for my freshman writing class when I did translations of the Hebrew Bible as lit. I don't know so. how you survived that violent, violent book. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. It was it was quite a time. My mom ended up getting me... I'm not Jewish, by the way, in case you didn't guess. Um, my, my mom ended up getting me some... Uh, Star of David socks for Christmas Aww. that became my lucky socks I wore every time I had an exam, <laughs> so it became a whole big thing. So, so yeah, but yeah, so that's that's gonna be my weekend is watching a, a movie that I'd never heard of before that I'm pretty sure has a pretty low rating on the tomato meter, the thermometer. <laughs> yeah, I, I like, like that one better. The, the I like that one much better. And so yeah, that's gonna be you know some time in the car, which I'll spend time cross stitching. And yeah. she won't be driving. No, no, no. Somebody no. else will be driving. <laughs> no, I like to cross stitch and drive. It soothes me, and it definitely soothes my passengers. Yes. So, so yeah. Um, I can barely hear their screams over my joy of cross stitching. <laughs> it's just faint, very faint in my ear. Yes, I get so lost in the cross stitching. Mm, what? And what are those horns? Oh, no, no. I don't, what? What's my next stitch? The geese. I think I need a new color. So, so yeah, um, next week, get ready for Vidok. That's going to be, I have a feeling that's going to be a pretty epic episode. That's, that's gonna and it's going to be really fun. I can't wait. I'm very excited. So, so yeah, Gumshoes, uh, we love you. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, don't forget about our Amazon wish list, which will be posted on the social media. Uh, if you want to control our lives, be, be a god to us. And, and basically, like, take us and move us like chess pieces and say, you will research this this week. Then you have a whole plethora of material you can choose from, be it in Kindle form or paperback, your choice, whatever's best for your wallet, and we will do an episode on it. So, and we will, you know, if you want credit for it, we'll give you credit for it. So, so yeah, do that. Uh, five stars on Apple Podcasts, please. We, if you're enjoying the show, we would absolutely love to hear from you, and we'll give you a shout out. Follow us on Podbean and uh, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you're getting your, your download automatically every Friday so you don't even have to do any work. And yeah, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We've had a very active week uh, this, this week with all the, the Bell Gunness stuff. We, we talked about the, the dates of the inventions to determine whether or not they lined up mm-hmm. with the Bell Gunness thing. And I'm not going to tell you because uh, you should go to the Facebook and, and look for that. I forgot to put it on the Twitter. I'll do that tonight. Patreon is incoming. If you guys have any ideas for uh, Patreon rewards, please hit us up. Let us know on the Old Timey Crimey Facebook page. Or on the Twitter, uh, which is also Old Timey Crimey on Twitter. Or at our email address, oldtimeycrimey at gmail.com. Just let us know. We would love to know what you want for rewards. Stickers, magnets. Um, needle holders. Ne- needle needle minders. <laughs> <laughs> Bell Gunness needle minders. Thomas Edison needle minders. No, I think the Albert Fish needle minder. <laughs> the Albert would, Fish needle it, minder. That would be great. Just like the ex, the famous x-ray of his pelvis with all the needles stuck in it on the needle minder itself. Oh my gosh, perfect. Yes. Yeah. 
That's something that has to happen. Yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, let us know what you'd like to see, and we will incorporate it. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's about it for this week. This has been uh, this has been a, an interesting time. It's been a fascinating case to look into. And thank you for going the extra mile. Not a problem. God, Not killing a problem. it with the research and the footwork. If you were one of my students, I'd give you an A. Yay! <laughs> I passed theoretically. <laughs> So, all right. So that has been it for us at Old Timey Crimey. We hope you've had, um, you've learned something and had an interesting time going back in time with us. So, yeah, um, if you're you're going on a train trip, maybe just uh, make sure people see you. Yeah. Wave. Say hi a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Be be noticeable. (laughs) Use the term okie dokie a lot. That'll get you noticed. (laughs) Okie (laughs) dokie. There it is. Have a good week, everyone. See ya.